Good evening, Luke. Damien, how are you? I'm good. Very merry. Well, I hope so. How are you? Uh, how are you going this festive season? I mean, I know that uh, we've been enjoying Christmas a little more than usual. We went uh, out to Kmart together and bought a few Christmas decorations. That was new for us. Well, yeah, considering we've never ever done that. Yeah, I mean, we've only lived together for a couple of years, but we never did that even before we lived together. Have you ever bought a Christmas decoration before that day? I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't. They never last, though. I always tend to just throw them out at the end of Christmas because I'm sick of it. Really? So you don't keep them for the next year? No, stupidly, I don't. Mm, That seems really sort of odd and environmentally unfriendly. It is, yeah. Mm. Anyway, here we are, having just watched The Nightmare Before Christmas. What on earth possessed you? What? And, you know, this isn't the first time that you've mentioned this to me this year, this movie. Why are you so interested in this movie? Because we never saw it. I actually thought it was The Nightmare on Elm Street. You did not. And I uh, just clicked on the wrong thing. No, you no bullshit. Bullshit. Well, you did well, not. Well, you know, we were talking about animated films. You asked me a question while we were out walking the other week about did I what did I think of Disney movies? And I said that I preferred kind of the um, CGI digital animation and the stop motion animation and I asked if you'd ever seen Nightmare Before Christmas because I've always meant to watch it and you said no you hadn't and so I thought well what a perfect Christmas movie to do for celluloid junkies it is a perfect Christmas movie and this is so great because now we can just release this episode instead of actually you know putting any work into a Christmas episode so it works for me I mean what Christmas movie would we choose I think just like, you know, the um the obvious ones like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Batman Returns, Die Hard, um, <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone's a good one, yeah. In fact, they're all good ones. Yeah, they are. But you know what? So is this one, it turns out. Were you surprised by this film? I was surprised by how much I liked it. Uh, it took me a little while to get into it, to be honest. Yeah, I think I know why that is. There is a big problem with this movie. Do you know what it is? No, tell me. I think the problem is that we really don't get our bearings until about 45 minutes in when it shows us the kids not getting the Christmas presents. Until then, we really don't know what is this world? What relationship does it have to our world? Does it have any relationship? He goes through the doors and then we sort of understand, okay, so this is Halloween town, which is basically full of Halloween decorations that are sentient or people that represent Halloween iconographic figures. But it it was confusing. And then you also had, you know, the doctor who created the patchwork girl. So then there was this other element that you had to think about uh, what constitutes life in this world and how do I find out what it is? I found that very disorienting. Well, obviously, yeah, I guess the, the, as you say, the iconic characters of each of these holidays. So Christmas, when when Jack Skellington makes it to the trees and he has to choose a destination, there's Valentine's Day, there's St. Patrick's Day, there's Easter, there's Christmas, there's Thanksgiving, and there's obviously would be a door to Halloween. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And then they kidnap the Easter Bunny instead of Santa Christmas, Santa Claus. Yeah. (laughs) Santa Christmas. (laughs) Santa Christmas, slip a sable under the tree for me. Father Claus. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked, I, re- I, I agree with you. You, didn't, you kind of didn't get the bearings of where this was going. No. Like, what were they going to do? Were they just going to put on a 
big performance like they did for Halloween. But then you realize that performance was because Halloween on Earth was successful. Yeah, and so this town's only real job is to make sure that every year there's a great Halloween. And that's interesting because in so many Christmas movies, you've seen that Santa's only job is to make toys all year and to get the elves to make toys all year and then deliver them at Christmas time. So that's his only <laughs> job. So it makes yeah. sense. And look, I don't know if the film meant this. I think perhaps at the time it was more meant as a, uh, you know, be yourself, find out who you are, stick to that. Sometimes if you're doing the same thing too long, it can get stale, but it's really important to sort of um, remember what you love and stick with that. Maybe that it was as simple as that. But right now, it's really impossible to watch this film and not feel like it's some big sort of uh, statement about cultural appropriation. I mean, I don't know about you, but didn't you find it uncomfortable when, you know, um, the grave, the, the, the coffin opened and out comes the pumpkin king erect like a vampire and he's dressed up as a Christmas Santa skeleton? Well, I get where you're coming from. Did it make me uncomfortable? No. It did for me. It, almost, it really did make me think, oh, that's blackface. It's sort of blackface for children. It's almost like this guy's sort of co-opting something that isn't his, trying, sort of forcing it, foisting it onto this town who love blood and gore and horror and um, trying to be something you're not. And that that is sort of always looks and feels wrong and inauthentic. Well, what a sensitive take on the movie, Luke. <laughs> it, hey it was it was glaring it was glaring to me that was what i thought and you know to be full disclosure this is a drunk cast i'm on my really it's a, my second gin but i think i triple poured the first one so it's my fourth gin yeah well fair enough and so we should be because we just watched a kids movie and we're doing a podcast about it yeah so but you know that you know so that was one problem for me the other major problem in this film the songs they are dead in the fucking water, those songs. They are awful. The only song that I really liked was the first one, the This Is Halloween. Mm. Um, apart from that, I didn't like any of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Danny Elfman is such a such an accomplished uh, composer. And I just don't know how somebody gets to this point in these songs and go, yep, this is the, these are the collection. Especially in 93, when this film came out, when, you know, Alan Parker... Uh, sorry, Alan J. Lerner, I can't remember who it is, whoever it was at Disney, but was doing the scores for Little Mermaid and um, I haven't got his name, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Alan Menke, I think his name okay, was. Okay, let's and, move on from the name. But but look, I, I think my point is important. <laughs> the music that was coming out in animated films in the early 90s was unprecedented in terms of how good it was. This is when you were getting Be Our Guest, Tale as Old as Time, Under the Sea, Oscar-nominated Disney music. And it really is... I mean, it, it just by comparison, these songs are so awful and forgettable. They're, they're awful in their ordinariness. Yeah. And the first song was okay. The rest were bad. I feel like it shouldn't probably have been a musical the songs were that bad no but you know i tell you what the film the songs were okay because you're laughing at me because i'm, I'm well, doing you just my said drunk the songs were terrible thing. yeah but what made the actual sitting through the songs okay was that um the director 
had so many things going on, so many jokes, so many uh, little ideas, visual ideas, while the characters were singing their boring songs that you could essentially... I mean, the whole, the whole time I was just completely amused, amused in a good way by this movie. Uh, the visuals of the movie was quite stunning in t- uh, at times. Mm. Um, and all of the little... Uh, and especially I think during that first song This Is Halloween when they were showing all of the little visual things that they were singing about you know the spiders and the snakes and the scorpions and all of that kind of stuff and it was it was kind of gross but really funny that they tied it in um, a lot of exposition was shown through those visuals as well for this movie yeah and even little creepy ideas like when she falls off the building knowing she'll come apart and that she will then stitch herself back together and carry on with her journey or when they they do the christmas ducks but these ducks have sharp jagged teeth and bullet holes with blood dripping dripping through them Mm, yeah when they were making the presents that was so good I mean, you know, that sort of, those little touches are sort of, that's where the genius of this movie lives. And I think it's great that we liked it given that, you know, when you were growing up, did you hear so many people talk about this movie? Yeah. Everybody's favorite. It's like a Halloween favorite, right? Uh, Christmas favorite. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you and I came to it not having, you know, we, we're not just loving it because it's a childhood, childhood nostalgia thing. No. We actually genuinely were watching it. And, and liked it for what it is as, as adults at I mean, age. I haven't told you my impressions of the movie. You're actually writing my story here. I mean, you loved it, Jamie, <laughs> in case you didn't know. Um, the part that I really loved was when he was delivering the presents to the kids. That was so good. <laughs> so well done. I mean, and he's doing it so innocently. He thinks it's going to make their day. On another day, it would have. On October 31st, that would have been appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. But on Christmas Day, it ruins everything. It's inappropriate. I loved that. Like a little, um, what is it, trilogy of terror doll head to one of the kids. Yes. It was great. A monkey's head or something, you know, bad luck, I think. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I guess you could read the other citizens of Halloween Town, their reaction to it, because they're hearing this news report that kids' Christmases have been ruined. And you could look at it and say, well, were they hoping for that? Or are they just thankful because that's the only expectation that they have of any kind of outcome from what they do that was very brief and we only really got reaction shots from those witches and they seemed indifferent no they seemed very happy when that news report came on because halloween town celebrates misery yes that's right but are they thinking that they've done a good thing and that's where the confusion of this movie is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, ultimately uh, the Pumpkin King regrets what he's done, releases Santa, saves Christmas before it's too late. And I really liked that subsequent scene where Santa's flying overhead and says, Happy Halloween, and Jack says, Merry Christmas. I thought yes. that was cute. Yeah, it was. It was full of moments like that. But yeah, I mean, I wish they'd had that, like, you know, we suddenly an hour into the movie see that these people have a television and that they're capturing um, transmissions from the earth. So there is some connection to them and, you know... Where was that television? There was just that one scene where the witches were... The television was on talking about how Christmas was destroyed and the witches noticed it. No, Luke. Yeah. No, Luke. They were what? They They were looking into a cauldron. 
No. They were seeing it reflected in the cauldron. Oh, okay, but it was it was a TV transmission through the cauldron. Maybe so. My, my point is they had some kind of access or awareness of the earth. Yes. And we didn't yeah. get and, that. And actually, we didn't that's get that the... until an hour into the movie. Well, that's a confusing thing, isn't it? Because if they had that, you would think that they would have already been aware of the custom of Christmas. That's right. So here we go. This is where everything starts to break down pretty badly with the logic of this movie. And why is he so confused about Christmas? That's a massive major point in the movie. And then he's trying to work out what the iconography has to do with behavior. And then he tries to get them to kidnap Santa as if he doesn't know who Santa is. And when we think that he's telling the group about, oh, Santa's this evil man who lives in this cave, this giant man, um, you know, that that would indicate that he had no knowledge of Santa before that. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since he doesn't even know his name. He calls him Sandy Claus. Yes. It's very bizarre. I think there's some significant plot holes here <laughs> and we need to dissect them one by I one. I just don't know why they wouldn't fix that going in because it's not like they didn't know how the movie ended. I mean, look, it's a it's a playful movie. He has to convince them about Christmas. It's the whole point of the film. Maybe they just developed this cauldron technology. <laughs> <laughs> you never, I mean... You don't know, do you? Hey, look what we've just discovered. That's right. That's right. And I mean, they've never had a reason to do it because Jack never left. Well, that's right. And I mean, what the fuck is the mayor's job in this town? I mean, why do they even have a mayor? Although I know he's very useless. Yeah. All he does is drive around this little paddy wagon telling people that there's a team meeting or telling people when, um, you know, um, Pumpkin King is dead. That's all he does. Yes. But you know what I loved about him was that um, whenever he was sad, he, he had that two-faced thing. So his head would flip around to the sad face. I really liked that. What did he eat? And then he went round to the happy face. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember either. But I, I mean, look, the, the, the film is weird. Like it's idiotic in if you look at it. Um, forest but if you look at tr at the trees it's genius all those tiny little moments like the flipping head or that sort of stuff is great I just wish that it had been brought together um, you know kind of fully I was so surprised that Tim Burton didn't direct this yeah I did know that Henry Selick directed it I had seen that he was credited for it I did know this in the past but I don't really know I mean how much involvement did Tim Burton have I think he had massive involvement. He must have because he's generally acknowledged as one of the creators of the movie. Well, in 93, the film was sold as Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Which makes sense because you've got to think in, you know, he's coming off of Batman in 89. Batman Returns in 92, which, you know, despite it, it being contentious at the time of its release was at the time of its release was still a massive hit. So, I mean, they were obviously cashing and in on that. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. And, you know, the film just, it looks so much like a Tim Burton sensibility movie. Well, all of Tim Burton's movies look like Tim Burton movies. But, I mean, he didn't direct it. He, he had produced it. And, um, you know, obviously he has made his own. He's directed his own animated features. He did Corpse Bride, Frank and Weenie. Were there earlier ones? I don't know. Possibly. I think he did short movies. Yeah, because he began as an animator. Oh, so how do you think this uh, animation style compares to some of the things? Because you're a big Disney fan. 
Yeah, look, I I think animation-wise, this movie is stunning. It's obviously a very, very different aesthetic from the Disney films, which are softer, which are uh, more romantic, more colourful, gentle in their imagery, whereas Tim Burton's imagery is very gothic, very um, bleak, lots of muted colours, lots of dark colours, uh, and and the animation um, is sharper in a way. I think the Disney sh- animation is, I don't know, it has a more of a, a romantic glow to it than than this. But I mean, weren't you thinking in the first half hour of this movie, I just want it to be Halloween every day, like it is in this town? Um, no, I knew what the story was going to, what was going to happen, and I was quite excited to see how they tied in Christmas to it. How did you know that was going to happen? Because I'd read the synopsis. Oh well, so you cheated. No, no, I just knew You're what. You're a cheater and I, a liar. I just knew what the movie was about. Well, why? How? Because you read. And um, I thought, you know, we're we're leading up to Christmas now. It's the Christmas season. We've had Halloween. You know, Christmas is the one that we should be excited about, Luke. But do you prefer Christmas or Halloween? Um, I mean, look, there's neither of them is a hill to die on. I have no idea what that just, what you just said, but it sounded ridiculous and uneducated. (laughs) I mean, neither of them are important enough to me to fight for them. Really? Even Christmas Day, which is a public holiday, Damien? Okay, Luke, we're getting a bit silly now. Okay. Sorry. I'll try to reel it in. <laughs> so um, what are you going to give The Nightmare Before Christmas on Elm Street? If there were less songs, I would give it four. But as it is, I'm going to give it three and a half. I really, really liked it, though. Bingo. I am with you there. Three and a half stars. Oh, really? Great. Yes. It was probably in the first half of it, it was a two and a half star movie, but it redeemed itself. And yeah. um, I think that the second act was a lot stronger and um, really kind of tied it all together as well as it was going to be tied together. Yeah, I mean, I think these sorts of animated features and Tim Burton's directed animated features are the same. Uh, there's not a lot of attention paid to characterization and that always hurts the movies. You can sort of watch it as a, as a sort of um, satire or with the distance of that sort of, with the distance that you would watch a satire or, or a, a, a movie about ideas rather than people. But the films do always suffer because ultimately there really is nobody to care about. You don't care about the Pumpkin King. You don't care about the, the doll lady. Um, you don't care if they'll get together. Uh, what works about the movie is the idea about, you know, um, the creativity of the idea of Halloween being a world, Christmas being a world, those two things intersecting and what happens this year when Halloween co-ops Christmas. But everything else in the movie, the people, the love story, um, all of that for me um, didn't register at all. So let's say little 12-year-old Luke is um, about to sit down with his family and watch a Christmas movie. Um, which one would you rather be brought up on? The Nightmare on Before Christmas? I keep calling it The Nightmare on Elm Street. The Nightmare Before Christmas, Batman Returns or Home Alone? Batman Returns. Of course. Okay, if you eliminate Batman Returns, Nightmare Before Christmas or Home Alone? Uh, 
probably at 12 home alone see we were the, these were our movies like batman returns was yours and home alone was my christmas movie used to watch it all the time so i i mean mm. we would both pick the movies that we had chosen back then or that we yeah. had chosen for us back then but i wonder I, I mean a lot of people would you know who were brought up on the nightmare before christmas would continue to pick that yeah i i guess i just feel like home alone has probably more heart than Nightmare on Elm, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas does, and <laughs> I got I got you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Batman Returns uh, doesn't have really uh, too much heart, but it's um sort of really violent, and um you do feel um a certain pity for these people that are uh, so lonely at Christmas and orphaned and um upset i don't know there's something in batman returns that is deeper than the sort of territory that is mined in nightmare before christmas nightmare before christmas is an ideas movie i actually i don't know i don't know um i don't i'd have to talk to a kid who loved it to understand why they love it maybe some of our listeners can write in and tell us why it, it means so much to them please do and I think it's just time to wish all of our listeners a Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to all of you. A few of you have reached out this year and it's been lovely hearing from you. We often feel like we're, uh, <laughs> we feel like we do this show in a, in a bit of a, um, a vacuum. vacuum. Merry Christmas, everybody. And thank you for listening. Yes, sleigh bells jingling a ding, ding, a ling, a ling, ming.